Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Chelsea Review Pod. That's also coupling up today as a preview of a Newcastle game in a few hours' time. It's a show that's tempted to travel up to Manchester later to set off fireworks at the Town Hall because there's a rumour going around that one of the offices contains a red fluorescent light bulb. Madness. <laughs> anyway, after 804 days, Manchester City are no longer champions and Liverpool are. But let's stick with the Blues today and joining me to discuss a defeat that kind of, well... Let's get into it very shortly. But joining us today is Aysan. Hello, sir. Hello, mate. I struggled then to kind of sum up how I felt about um, Thursday, and I still don't know. So, in a word, how do you feel about it? About the game? Or mm-hmm. what? Uh, about about the defeat? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I don't know. One of the reasons that I wanted to... I moved the podcast from Friday to, to today. And one of the reasons that I wanted to move it is because my knee felt very jerky on Friday morning. And even though I wasn't going to be on that podcast, I almost felt like I wanted to talk about the game mm. and some of the reactions and some of the stuff that people said afterwards. Hence, we've uh, we've moved it to Sunday. So I think actually I'm a lot more sanguine is, Good is probably word. the right word right. than I uh, than I thought I would be. Um, yeah, there you go. Okay. In one word, sanguine. And uh, my next guest is uh, a person who personifies sanguineness, if such a word exists, and that's Howard. Hello, sir. Hello. Are you feeling particularly sanguine? Now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just just googling it now. Optimistic or positive? You, uh... you define that word, sir. Yeah, yeah, I think you can do better than that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all right. I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, the hot it, weather's ended, which I'm actually glad of. So yeah, it's cold, and we've just had a heat. Well, ironically, a heated discussion about whether to put the heating on, but I lost. <laughs> Never mind. Right, so let's get straight into this. Aston, um, let's start with you, and let's look back to prior to the game on Thursday when the lineups were announced. Kind of what jumped out at you? Were there any surprises? Were there any disappointments? Bit surprised he didn't go with Jesus, if I'm honest with you. Um, just because it almost felt like after Aguero's injury, that would have been like the kind of vote of confidence, mm. I guess. Um, so I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, I mean, Rodri, Gondo, KDB as a midfield three or Gundo and Rodri together. The stats speak for themselves in terms of the results that we've gotten when those two have played together. So kind of looked at that and I did, I mean, obviously I I wasn't as stressed as a lot of people who immediately went, yeah, we're dead here. Um, So yeah, I mean, I I, I was all right with it. It it didn't, I didn't look at it and go, oh my God, we're going to lose this game of football. Yeah. Mm. Howard, were you similarly optimistic, sanguine, or yeah. were you... <laughs> uh, no, I was... Yeah, obviously the, the Rodri Gundogan thing, not sure. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, I just assumed, has been rested for Newcastle match, which is the bigger of the two matches. That's just the way it is, in a way. Mm. Uh, so, I assume selection was made on that basis. I'm not... Yeah, despite what happened at Old Trafford in the Carabao Cup first half of the first leg, I'm, this, I'm not convinced with a strikeless formation, but as I said, this wasn't one of the biggest games of the season, even though it's Chelsea away and it feels big and, you know, it was an interesting match. So, 
yeah, it was fine with the lineup. Well, most people beforehand were quite happy to us to, if Twitter's to be believed, and maybe it shouldn't be, uh, to put the kids in, and you know that Newcastle was a big one. So, yeah. not see how he can then complain if it doesn't go exactly how you want it to. So, well, the, the kind of the it's still strong enough, you know, still strong enough with eight, another eight changes. So. Yeah, well, it shows the depth of the squad, and and um, I was fairly confident. I mean, uh, the Gundo Rodri combo in midfield always gives him the jitters, and in this case, rightly so. But um, I, I was intrigued about the strikerless formation because it has worked really well in the past. It didn't work here for me um, at Old Trafford. They were just confusing the United defenders. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know who to go with. And they were all over the place, frankly, the United defence. Um, here, Chelsea just seemed to stifle us relatively easily. Um, is that a fair assessment, Asan? Um, and going across the front three, uh, was there anyone who particularly struggled, you'd think, without you know, a traditional number nine? Um, I mean, I think firstly, a little word on Chelsea, who were excellent defensively yeah they were very deep they were very compact they gave us absolutely no space and if you look at the um if you look at the speed with which they were getting back into getting back into their shape it was incredible and it kind of made me feel like i don't know like on some level it felt like they turned up for that game going we are absolutely not losing this game come what may we're just not going to give City the space to play the game that they want to play, and we back ourselves to 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 be good on the uh, on the counter attack. Um, I think that so they were. I think defensively they were excellent. And Golo Kante is probably the player who I regret City not signing the most because of the fee that he went for. And even when he moved, Ferner was old. He was over thirty, um, and we could have done that. And we should we should have done it. Bad move. Anyway, um, our front, our our uh, our attacking players were terrible. Like so, on the one hand, you've got Chelsea are very compact. Their shapes really good, robust in the tackle, all of that sort of business. But at the same time, our attacking play was awful. Sterling was terrible. Mares was terrible. Bernardo was a ghost. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just really really disappointing I mean I think for me actually I felt that what we did really well was keep the football right and what we did really well was push them back and as I say keep the football but my issue was that the forward players were staring at our defenders collecting the ball and just passing it backwards collecting the ball and passing it backwards and I think that the difference between this and United, the United game is that nobody made any runs in behind and we never really got in behind Chelsea. So Chelsea, after 20, 25 minutes, and I, I've said this a few times about this City team, that we have to create chances and put the fear of God in the opposition. Because if we just keep the ball, the longer it goes on without creating chances and more the opposition team go all right, we can deal with this. And then they begin to think about, okay, how do we counter next? And how are we dangerous going the other way? And Chelsea did both of those things perfectly. They absorbed our pressure in quotation marks, because I'm not sure if it's pressure, if you're not really carving out opportunities. Um, And then obviously they were 
relatively clinical on the counterattack. But, you know, there's probably a conversation about how much of that was down to them being brilliant and how much of that was down to us defending like clowns. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of that, that's kind of how I feel. Like I, I felt real, really as a, as the half was unfolding. The only thing that was bugging me was the fact that it felt like nobody. I mean, I was watching it really carefully, and nobody was making runs in behind. So mm. every time the midfielders would get the football, yeah, they'd have an option to pass to in the forward line because that option was running back towards them, and that's just you know. For me, that's possession for the sake of it. And it kind of, as dominant as we were, the longer it went on, the more it began to annoy me. And like you say, the longer it went on, the more I went, this is just not working. We just haven't got a number nine. It's, you know, it's just, yeah, well, there you go. Bear in mind that, you know, it, it didn't work and all the flaws that you, you point out there. Howard, it's an impossible question. I appreciate that. But just your personal interpretation of this. How much of that, how much was, you know, um, Raheem's anonymity, uh, Mara's being ineffective, um, Bernardo being, as Aysan said, like a ghost, how much of that was because of a system or how much of that was basically just poor showings from the individuals? Both, I think. I've still... That system that worked at Old Trafford, they'd only, you know, they said afterwards they'd only had 15 minutes yes. yeah. training on it and I'm just not convinced by it at all. Uh, players just yet again. I mean, it just we'll talk about what how this game encapsulates the season in a way, or the league season at least. Yeah, in so many ways it encapsulates it. It's a perfect summation of it in ninety minutes. Yeah, and we'll probably focus on defence, rightly so. But I always go on about it. It's just every I can understand it after a pandemic and. Eight, making eight changes every match. I could understand it at this point. You know, so I'm not sure if this... All the things that are wrong with this match are just uh, a symptomatic in a way of not playing football for three months and us just coasting through the league season and using it as prep for other things. Mm. But we know that these sort of things have happened before. You know, we had a three-month break and football shut down. So is it a sign of the future that we're just going to keep on making these same mistakes? And I... I just feel that this team is never the same for two weeks in a row, never the same formation. Often it's never the same players. And, I, I, you know, just the old school opinion that players want stability. They want to, we need a, you know, we need that great centre-back pairing who play with each other each week. We want players playing in set positions that are used to playing there and know intuitively where other players are going to be because they've played with them 50 times and, you know, they'll know when they make the runs. You just change things around and, you know, it worked for 45 minutes at United. That doesn't mean the system is a success. Uh, there is something on the players, though, because, you know, Mendy, and we'll show we're discussing further in a bit, <laughs> put in a couple of delightful crosses. But if you're going to have a strikerless system, then those that are false strikers have to get into the positions that Aguero or Jesus yes, would have so. been in. And they just didn't, as Aysan said, they just didn't want to be aggressive in the penalty area and make those runs. So it's a bit of everything for me. It was a very confusing performance because How a it? lot of the time a lot of the time I'm there thinking, oh they're playing quite well there, but they weren't you know as you, as Aysan said, Chelsea could have just sat there and dealt with that for days probably. So yeah. yes, Sorry, I was just gonna I was just gonna ask um I, there was a point at which the rotation was rotation, but I've 
particularly this season, and I've said it before, do you think that part of the issue is he doesn't know who to trust? And that's why teams are getting mm. chopped and changed in the way that they are. Yeah. And to almost push that a little bit further, I feel almost like Guardiola has done this to himself. Yeah. Too smart going, I don't need to replace Vinny. I'm not going to pay for Harry Maguire. I've got Fernandinho, right? And then Laporte gets injured and it all goes tits up. I think that we've had a lot of conversations around Jesus and how effective he is or he isn't. But when you look at, like, just to put it really bluntly, do you think Aguero starts if Aguero's fit against Chelsea? Yeah. Exactly. Um, so well, then, that's just well unless he's rested in for exactly, the knock or something. Exactly. Yeah. Nah, I just, I'm, I'm absolutely 110% certain, yeah, that if Aguero's fit, Aguero starts against, against Chelsea and Jesus doesn't. That tells me that on some level, Guardiola's like, yeah, I don't really fancy you that much. And I think that I'm, maybe one of my frustrations is a little bit that the chopping and the changing and a lot of that stuff is, a rod that Pep made for his own back in the transfer market? Or is that me absolving the players of blame and being... Because I know that you've said this before, Howard, this idea that not every... The solution to every problem isn't in the transfer market. So where's the line with this for you? Well, uh, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I often wonder if it was obviously a mistake not to buy a central defender. Just because Pep says we'll go with what we've got does not mean it was his decision. He might just be putting it on the face because he hasn't got, you know, the players he wanted hadn't got, haven't come to City. But it seems pretty, from what we've read, it seemed pretty common knowledge that we put all our eggs in the Maguire basket and didn't have any backups, which in itself is unbelievable, to be honest, that we'd focus on one player and no one else would do when there are tons and tons and tons of defenders out there who would have improved us so that in itself was a mistake I think another aspect is there is always going to be a problem and it's a welcome problem in a way that Pep Guardiola unlike other managers takes every single competition seriously and that of course lends itself to more rotation so he'll play a strong side in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup yeah, Liverpool aren't in the FA Cup this weekend, are they? Because Klopp doesn't care less about it or the Carabao Cup. And I think if I wanted more stability in team selections, well, we might get it next season if we're not in two of the... If the Carabao Cup's abandoned and we're not in the Champions League, you might get to see it a bit more. So I expect rotation, but I just feel that, you know, even after taking every competition seriously, there's still chance just to play the same side a few weeks and just he had to make that decision on trust at some point he had to decide who are the ones I trust and go with them even if they make the unmistake here or there because that's the most dangerous thing for a manager if if true not knowing what your best 11 is or Mm. not knowing you know mate there isn't a best 11 as such we've got a, a very strong squad of 17 18 players minimum who could be considered first team players but most managers know, you know, they've got their ideal 11 in their head, have they not? And yeah, maybe he doesn't, so. Well, it's a fair few as well. That's the thing, it's not, we're not talking about one or two players here. We're talking about yeah. players like you know, John Stones, Phil Foden as well. You could probably accumulate five, six, seven players 
who you instinctively feel Pep doesn't have complete faith in. Um, not in terms of their ability, he'll have complete trust in their ability, but in terms of executing exactly what he wants on, on a, a match-by-match basis. And that is a concern. Um, it's not a concern when you romp into the league and you're playing extraordinary football and you're getting 100 points, but when you encounter a season as we have this season, then you have to start looking at that and, and kind of identifying that as one of the root causes for our season. I believe, anyway. I think you've got the nail on the head there, Alexander. I think it does come down to trust, uh, and and that feeds into rotation, that feeds into players' confidence, that feeds into something which I've hammered away at on this pod time and time again, the importance of a player intuitively knowing exactly what their role is, which, again, Mm -hmm. feeds into the Chelsea game, because that front three didn't know that. So if it takes half a second for them to think, oh, I'm going to go here, that, that half second is crucial at that level of football. So, yeah, it all, it all stems from pep and trust for me. Well, and, I think the other thing is that... Suddenly that high defensive line, you know, that we've had and gained 198 points in two seasons, mm. you know, seems rather churlish to be having a go at this squad after that. But suddenly that high defensive line, because everything's linked on the pitch and the loss of possession more often, you know, because if players don't intuitively know where to go and how to suffocate the opposition, that high defensive line just becomes a huge liability then. Yes. Sorry, Aysan, you were saying it. Well, I think there's an... Uh, I think the word that I keep coming back to is stability. Um, and I look at the I look at the back line and it's just not been stable at all this season. Our defence has not been stable. And there's two conversations to be had around that. There's the conversation about whether we have fit-for-purpose defenders. And the second conversation is how much has Rodri affected what's going on behind him? Um I read somebody said somewhere that Fernandinho basically was a one-man shield, yeah, on the halfway line. Mm. Yeah. And his energy and his pace and his dynamism allowed him to mop up whatever happened. Rodri is just a million miles from that. Doing that job in the way that Ferner did it, he's a million miles from it. And Guardiola has basically tried to play, for me, uh, put, put somebody next to Rodri to hold his hand. That's affected what's going on in, in the front line. And in the end, having Gundo holding Rodri's hand has affected what's happening behind them because neither of them are fast enough, dynamic enough to get around the pitch. The first goal, let's talk about that first goal. I mean, it's just, it's a prime example of Fernandinho's just mopping that up. Fernandinho's mopping that up even with the mistake. And Gundo and Mendy between them got absolutely schooled. And, you know, I just, I'm... I don't want to be down on Rodri because first season in the league, but he's not quick enough and he's not dynamic enough. And I just don't know if he can be a lone number six in a 4-3-3 system. And I don't know if Guardiola changing his system to 4-2-3-1 to accommodate Rodri is Guardiola not wanting to accept that he's made a mistake with Rodri and looking at other ways, maybe playing Gundo at the six more, leaving Rodri out, trying him at centre-back. I don't know. Like, I'm not bothered about how much Rodri cost. I'm bothered about... A player said this somewhere recently. If 
doesn't matter what a player costs. If he's a success, it doesn't matter what he costs. And if he's a failure, it, it could have cost you 10p and he'll be a failure. It makes no odds. It's just black and white for me. And right now, the fear with Rodri is that he looks more like a failure than he does a success because his job fundamentally is to shield and screen the back four and distribute the ball from there. And he can do the second part, but he can't do the first part. And the first part is just so important if you're going to play, like Pep says, with half the pitch behind you to defend. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at with this defensive thing. I'm looking at the, the, the back four. I'm going completely unstable. Stone's been injury prone all season. Furnace 34 is just asking too much of him to go back to the well time and time again. Laporte was out for ages. None of us trust Artemendi. Half the half of City City World think that Benjamin Mendy's crap. I gave Kyle Walker a D in his, uh, <laughs> his mid-season assessment. I and mean, we where are we going? <laughs> yeah, wh- where where are we going with the defense? Like, what's the um? What what worries me is that I feel as though even in this conversation now, my knees jerking a little bit. That I'm overreacting a little bit because, in terms of the Chelsea goal, the first goal. I don't know how you two feel, and maybe I should throw it over to you two, but very quickly for me, sometimes shit happens. I'm absolutely not going to go, Mendy's done, and he's got to go because he did that. Just not at all, because footballers make mistakes. Laporte made a massive mistake in a Champions League knockout game, and nobody was going, yeah, we need to sell Laporte. So I'm not I'm not saying that, um, but I'd be interested to know how you two both feel about the quality of what we have already, what we need to do, and this conversation around Rodri and how much his inclusion has affected everything, not just going forwards, but going backwards. I think it's... uh, uh, This is me sitting on the fence, really, because there's two kind of contrasting views I'm aware here. But on the one hand, I completely get what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. On the other hand... It's not Rodri's fault. I'm not suggesting you're saying it is his fault, but I think I, I would just like I, I see the qualities in the lad, and I'd like us to stick with him and see if we can maybe solve this problem around him rather than kind of by you know identifying him as that as a problem. Uh, I think he brings an awful lot to the table, and I think when you see him have good games, you can see what we could become. Um, and then you know who's to say after an, you know after having this season acclimatised English game, those good games will become more regular. I think it's so unfair on the lad because we're asking him to replace someone who basically can be replaced by two or three other players in the world, um, of which Conte is one, as you rightly said at the start. You know that was a missed opportunity there. Um, to have a midfielder full of dynamism, just full of running, who basically covers every blade of grass. He's not that kind of player, Rodri, nor is he ever going to be, nor did Pep want him to be. Pep, for me, is just paints these beautiful pictures and he paints them time and again and it's high art. And what he's done with not replacing Vincent Company and bringing in Rodri, this kind of elegant pass it pass with a player rather than a kind of you know, energetic player a, a warrior what he's done is he's he's looked at this beautiful picture from last season and thought oh oh that easel oh it's just annoying me having that easel there let's take that 
fucking easel away and just keep this beautiful picture. You need an easel, Pep. <laughs> you need an easel, man. You need to have a backbone to any team. Doesn't matter how beautiful that team is, it needs a backbone. And we don't have a backbone, or rather we do, but it's Fernandinho who's in his mid-30s now and he's playing out of position and having mm. to get used to that position. So that is, of course, it's going to cause a huge problem and that's what we've seen this, this year. So that's how I feel, which very much is in alliance with what you're saying, Asan. I just, it's so unfair on Rodri though because when you, you know, the qualities he brings... It's when you see him have these good games, you think, "Yes, I want to stay with you. I want you in my team." It depends if is pace absolutely necessary for at that position in that level. I think so. Yeah, not not yeah. necessarily well, pace, then Howard. But hang, hang on, hang on. Not necessarily pace, but I think that he's really slow on the turn, right? Yeah. and he's not at all dynamic. So basically, like it's people just run past him in a way that's totally unacceptable for a number six. You shouldn't be able to just run away from a dude like that, not in that position. And I think that as I completely hear what you're saying today about the idea that he's a lovely footballer and all of those things, right? And I'm sure that against, let me think about this, probably two thirds of the Premier League, Rodri is a bang, bang number six. He can do it by himself. Fine. But in the biggest games at the highest level, I mean, yeah. It's just. It hurts me too, Craig, because it's a little It's a big worry for me now. Yeah. Well, he's not going to, you know, as as I've said many times, Fernandinho was 28 when he joined us, I think. Uh, Took a year to to really become the Fernandinho we know. Uh, But he can't really. With all the coaching in the world, Rodri can't be quicker turning, can he? No. (laughs) But he played the holding role at at, at, at Madrid, you know, a a side which is just... He played in a two-man midfield. It's a defensive side, though. Yeah, he played with two... Exactly, he played with the guy next to him and, you know, the Simeone ways just sit very deep and... I don't know, like, I just... pitch behind him to patrol. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it doesn't have Mendy, yeah. And as for the other players... I feel it's got a feeling of like Liverpool two years ago. They were totally undermined by defensive yep. frailties. They spent big, spent big on two positions. They sorted it, and I think that's what we have to do. My issue with Mendy, is it wasn't a mistake as such. It was just, a, I mean, it's, inexcusable. It's Fabian Delph would say the basics, the basics. I mean, yeah. you just don't try and tackle him in that position. It's just utter lack of football intelligence has infuriated me. Uh, and it's all on him, not Gundogan. Gundogan was telling him to sod off and get out of the way. Yeah. And it just passed to an empty space. And then all he had to do was just hold him up. It's what any defender should do at even championship level. Or if you're going to go and tackle, which you shouldn't do, as you say, you should hold him up. But use your other leg. Do a sweeping tackle. You know, just kind of yeah. have facts so you're covering that kind of area where the ball is going. Don't just stick your, your wrong leg out. Yeah, it's it's just like I say, an Otamendi type, you know, PlayStation mm. tackle that we don't need another. We don't need two players doing that. And yeah, mistakes should be allowed because every single player's made them. Uh, and he had been in, you know, he was getting his form together. But that's the problem with his side. It makes honestly this season has made more mistakes than any other team I know of. Uh, I just don't know how many. 
I don't watch every minute, but you know, you watch match of the day, you see how goals happen in all the other matches. I've probably seen most of the Premier League goals this season. I've not seen a team shoot itself in the foot as much as City have this season. Sure. And I hope that leads to a you know, dawning realisation for Pep and for the board and for, you know, everyone to be aggress- aggressive this summer and deal with those issues those issues. So. Yeah. I definitely think that uh, I definitely think that, you know, that, that it can't be ignored. I don't think that you can, you know, the, 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 the stories are that they want to sign two centre-backs and it does not surprise me in the least. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they bought two really expensive centre-backs as well because I just think that you, so much of, like you say, Howard, so much of what we do... It's a separate conversation about not attacking well, right? But I think that so much of what we do has been undermined this season by just clown-like defending that, you know, from the top down, if I was Shape Mansoor, I'd be on the phone going, what is this? Like, you yeah. know, yeah. I've built this team, give you loads of money. What is this that I'm seeing? Because it's too regular and too often. I mean, it, yeah, the, the yeah. It's the worst part about it. Well, the most trivial part about it, and yet it's also in some way the worst part about it is all these pundits, all these journalists were right all along. You know, they used to basically, we would have the occasional mishap, uh, and then it became this trope where any time City played, you know, the commentator and, and co-commentator would spend ten minutes per game, even if we were winning five nil, talking about how vulnerable we were at the back, and it used to really get my hackles out up. But they're right; they are right. We, we are extremely vulnerable at the back. Um, we are prone to mishaps. And that's where we can be got at. And my question to you two is, with that in mind, and I don't think you know anyone can disagree with that, maybe just to the extent of how much how vulnerable we are. Um, but with that in mind, how necessary is that for us to play how we play? Like Howard, I know we're coming off the back of you know, 198 points in two incredible seasons. But kind of looking at, say, this season and, you know, uh, saying that we're, we're pretty much playing the same kind of style of football, how necessary is it to be exposed at the back, if you like? Well, what other way is there? This is the Pep way. Yeah. So, uh, it is necessary. Which brings us back it's... to Fernandinho and how much we miss him because, you know, he mm. used to mop up time and time again for us. Well, it's, yeah, it's when it works, it's, you know... Well, obviously, utterly, you know, beyond magnificent, almost unbeatable. And for two seasons it were. I always said that it, it couldn't go on forever. There'd be a lull, there'd be problems. Uh, I'm just surprised there'd been this many. You know, eight defeats in the league is staggering. It's more than the previous two seasons combined. and We've not finished the season yet. So there is no... that I don't know, maybe Asan knows more, you know, about... He's not a manager with a plan B who's just going to sit deep and play dead. He has done it a couple of times. You know, he's been cautious, but... And I'd like to see him be cautious very occasionally, because... Well, ironically, it works when he does it. You know, such a... With a nil at Anfield. I'm just... I'm confused, in a way. I'm confused that... That lineups continue to be used where you can see it's going to happen again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But maybe he's as frustrated. He just knows he hasn't got the players to trust that he can work with at the moment, and... I think so. Yeah, you know, until I, until he delves into the transfer market, it mm. just you know he's exasperated, exasperated as we are. But 
I don't know. How can the pep system work if if that high line goes deeper? Probably not, because then you don't suffer. You don't need to do that. You don't. You, you don't need to possess. You don't get the possession then. So, exactly. Yeah, I don't need, need to, to do that. You you don't need to do that because that's not what you know. So the 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 fundamentals of the way that Man City play football will will according to Soriano will never change. Right? Mm. That the owners have agreed in this way of playing and that is a high de- defensive line and a high press and win the ball back quickly so it's just not going to change so as a conversation yeah. it's not really a conversation but I think that where there is a conversation and I have complete and utter faith in Guardiola in terms of so the last two years the last two seasons we've had a lot of square pegs and round holes but Guardiola's been justified by going, here you go, here's 198 points in two seasons. Nobody can criticise Delphit left-back, you know, Fernet centre-back, whatever it is, right? Whatever the mad things were, whatever the transfer decisions were, nobody could argue because of the success. But I also know, or like to think, that Guardiola's really competitive and it's just not stupid. And what's happened this season will be a chastening experience for him. When I look at some of the quotes that have come out and the press conference and the way that he's talking, he doesn't like to lose. You cannot be as successful as him and like losing. And I think that for all of those reasons, I expect him to acknowledge and address the mistakes. I won't say his mistakes. I'll just say the mistakes that were made in the planning of the squad that left him in a position where he needed Fernet centre-back and his number six is Rodri and the alternative is Gundo and Gundo's got to hold Rodri's hand, right? That's all a big fuck-up, excuse my language. Um, And I think that he will acknowledge that and it would not... Sorry, it wouldn't shock me. And in fact, I'm becoming almost certain that along with the centre-back, we'll see another number six in the uh, in the window because I don't think that Pep likes to play 4-2-3-1. Pep knows that his teams are at their best when they play 4-3-3. He knows he needs to do that. He needs a number six who can do the things that he needs a number six to do. And if Rodri can't do that, he's just going to have to go and buy one. It's really that simple. Um now, okay, there might be the argument that, well, if he goes and signs Koulibaly, then there's just the, the back four is just a rock and then you can stick whatever you want in front of it. Maybe. Maybe I'm being too hard on Rodri and maybe that if we just drop a centre back in that's as good as Koulibaly, right, we can have, like Howard said, the Van Dyke Allison effect where you just sign a couple of players, bang, everything else looks different. But the key thing is that Pep needs to address it. And I think that where I've been frustrated in the last two years, he'll turn around and go, I got 198 points to close your mouth. This time round, with what's gone on this season, I imagine that lots of people, including Pep, are frustrated and there will be a reaction in the market itself. Well, as regards to what that reaction will be, and you mentioned Van Dyke and Allison there, um, this Wednesday's debate show is going to be kind of asking, you know, are we now behind Liverpool in many aspects and what can be done to kind of rectify that and put ourselves back at the top? So um, that certainly kind of aligns itself with that. Uh, and we'll be discussing 
players that we need to bring in, uh, positions that need to be strengthened. Um, and yeah, just kind of asking the overall question, are we behind Liverpool right now? Um, Thursday's game would suggest so, despite the fact that we grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, we dominated for the most part, those beautiful triangular passing patterns, but then we're just undone time and again by quick breakaways. I mean, the same thing happened for the second goal, um, with William kind of, you know, racing away down the right. Um, looking at that second goal, Howard, would you have rather Ferner had left it, let it go in, and just gone a goal behind, but with 11 men, or... Well, of course, because we went behind with ten men. So yeah, but, but the penalty could have been saved. Yeah. No, I mean, if yeah, but I mean, yeah, with hindsight, hindsight. <laughs> yes, of course, with hindsight, then uh, no, no, you let the goal in. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's it's an impulse thing. It's the worst thing you can do. Sticking your hand out in the VAR era. Yeah, I mean, there's just you're not getting away with it. He knew. Just to sheep his face as he waited and waited and waited for the most <laughs> obvious red card to be handed out that took four minutes for some reason for VAR to have a look at. But if you watch it again, and when he when he sees the red, he's not disappointed in himself. He's disappointed in the ref. I love him for yeah. that. <laughs> but it's impulse stupidity. It's yeah. just you know we're, we've all done it probably at some point. You know, at a lower level where you just in a half second you stick your hand out to stop it going in the goal, and it's but nowadays the. You know, he might have got away with it in the old days because I don't know if, if the referee at the time I didn't gave see it. it or not. Yeah, I didn't see it. But maybe the referees don't have to anymore. They know they've got the technology behind them. But yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just the worst thing you can do because it's a it's a double double whammy in a way, is it not? To to get a, to concede a penalty and get a red card, which is obviously still possible even with the change of the rules, is the worst thing for a defender. It just turns a game instantly. That yeah. Well, I mean, as I said about us dominating the game and being undone by two kind of breakaway goals, that's a story of our season, isn't it, Asa? Absolutely. I mean, it just it's it's the Norwich game on repeat yes. yeah. in, in many respects. And, you know, latest to that, like, I mean, I, I think in a way, one of the, to kind of give this podcast the perspective that it should have, the game meant nothing against Chelsea. They could have slapped us 10-0, irrelevant really um so the only thing we can take from it is really what we what if we play well we take the the positive in terms of we can take that into next season and into the champions league next month and if, if we play badly and we make mistakes then it reinforces some of what we've learned already this season and i think that's kind of where we're at do you know what i mean like just there's not a we don't need to do a, a deep dive analysis of of the game itself because the game itself is irrelevant. It's just what it tells us about players and positions. Or it it felt like it was just a little bit more illuminating in terms of players mm. and positions and and maybe a little bit about Pep's um, faith or lack thereof in certain players in certain positions. Um, I, I, so I say post post pandemic, I want. <laughs> You know, post sorry shutdown, I wouldn't be worried because mistakes have been a common theme since the return of football. Yeah, which enough. is understandable Absolutely. because of football. But as you say, Absolutely. it's kind. Of, you, you feel like we've been here before, basically. Yeah. Well, Shall I mean, we, and I just yeah, go on, sorry. I, I guess that I just I, I feel as though I'm I'm at that point now where, like, 
I genuinely think that we probably need to buy three defenders minimum to rectify this. And it's not often that you find yourself in a position where you've got to buy three players in the same line, in the same window, because of the manager's lack of faith and the instability in that position. But for better or for worse, I think that's where we are. Well, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. When, when I look at the squad, when I look at the lineups at each and every week, any kind of misgivings I have, it's it's usually kind of aimed at the back. And, uh, and, and I'm going further back into last season as well. You know, there was always concerns for me with Zinchenko. Uh, and, you know, I can say it now that I was wrong to have his misgivings. But, you know, all through, and obviously before that was Delph, and you could say that, that you know, that they were necessary changes uh, given what happened to Mendy. But even so, it's... I'm, I've had two, three, four years now of being concerned about our defence. And then prior to that, we were just always kind of, you know, we had Kolarov and all the rest of it. It's like, just get a settled, decent back four and keep with them, please. And just, you know, that's but, all I want. <laughs> I'm, stay, I'm spoiled. Stay, but. Even, stay, even with a settled, you know, we get the best defence in the world or whatever. Even with that high line, is it not some of it in yes, your head, the perception yeah. that we're never far away because we put, you know, the system demands that you give an opportunity to other sides? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, oh, absolutely, and, and you'll never lose that because it's just part of the system. But, but how is it? It's, it's, that, it's a system that stops the players having chances, many chances, but when they do, they may be better quality chances. Yeah, absolutely. That's- bang on and, and but when they do if it's very occasional then yeah you can just take that collateral damage and it's, and it's very much in the same way as uh, Edison you know if he makes two mistakes a season you think well okay but you know the reason he's made those mistakes is because essentially he's an outfield player and, and he, mm-hmm. he contributes so much to our overall style of football that you can just kind of take those two mistakes so if there's two defensive mistakes per season or even three or four then I'll take them but like we've discussed, it's too regular now. It's become yeah. common. And when it becomes a common, no, it, it has to be addressed. It just has to. Even Edison, even Edison should have conceded a goal having passed it straight to yes. Mount. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like... Well, yeah, if it's game... Hey, listen. Pass it to the opposition, we're done for, aren't we? Uh, lads, I, we are listen. getting negative here, so just... If it's game... Well, justifiably so, but... What I'm saying is, if this game doesn't justify a deep dive, as Aysan said, and I agree with that, but what does justify a deep dive is Kev's free kick. So, <laughs> so let's, let's have a few well, words on Kev's free kick. Can, would, can I just say I'm shocked. I didn't know he was that old. I didn't know he was 29. Happy today. birthday, yeah, Kev. Happy birthday, I thought he was 27. <laughs> <laughs> That's depressed me further. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> No, that, I mean that still means he's you know a player like him has got a good five years left in him, maybe more. So yeah, uh, well, happy uh, yeah, birthday but, too. By the way, happy birthday to um, Bob, who used to be on Blue Moon. Can you remember Bob from Blue Moon, guys? Yes, twenty six today. Yeah. We are getting old. <laughs> yeah. but, hey, listen, but, but, uh, uh, what uh, can you say? It was perfect. So yeah, AC, oh sorry, yeah. yes, yeah. It's just uh, I think that uh, he will Kev will will go on like yeah yeah. And as long as we don't get a two-year Champions League ban, I think he'll be here for the next four or five years. So I'm not that worried about the fact that he's turned 29. Yeah. 
that that gold though, the, the dip on it, the power on it, it's oh, you, I, you can't. Do I had that. no doubt. I had no doubt when he stepped up to take that free kick. I just had no doubt. Mm. I had no doubt it was either going to hit the crossbar post, go just over, or go in. It, it was, was going to yeah. be one of them, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, just it didn't. On. It wasn't curled. It was just. It kind of kept. Yeah, that's the way to hit the ball. It's that it just the technique is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's some free kicks are like the millisecond after it leaves the foot, you know. Yes. You know, before it's reached the wall, it's like it's hit. As soon as they hit it, you went, "Oh, <laughs> this could be it." Exactly. Peter Crouch's goal at uh, Stoke that time, that wonder goal he scored against us, he yeah. hadn't even left his boot and I knew it was in. <laughs> it was just... Yeah. But no, I think a lot of it, and this is not diminishing the free kick or, or careful in any way, shape or form, of course, but a lot of it is the modern football as well. You know, the footballs of even as recently as five years ago couldn't be kicked in that manner. It couldn't have, you couldn't accumulate that much pace and dip on them. I feel like you're trying to take away from Kev's free kick. <laughs> I'm just not having that lad. Sorry, well, but they're essentially beach balls, aren't they, these days? But yeah. the fact that other players can't do it and Kev does... How old um, are you, 65, 70? <laughs> I can't, yeah, can't but, be having things but, like that, Sam. So sorry, um, mate. Like, but they football are. is it's, the football that you play with. To try and go like, yeah, but you know, back in the day, the football was much heavier. And well, I'm not, well, yeah, I'm not okay, kind of yearning for the time when it had stitching and it was all leather and stuff. You used to play with medicine balls, don't you know? <laughs> hey, listen, um, just to, to kind of push this forward, uh, because that, the, the, actually the conversation about the defence was interesting in the sense that we play Newcastle tonight and the game tonight has actually got something riding on it. Oh, yeah. And that is the, the FA Cup. And so firstly, just very quickly, how strongly do you feel about wanting to win the FA Cup this year, Steve? Very strongly, very, very strongly. It's, it's the, the league is just basically, you know, to, to uh, fulfil our commitments and get this season out of the way. We're still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League, and we're League Cup holders. We, we can do the treble, so it would mean a huge amount to me. And, and also, let's face it, um, it's been somewhat of a crap three months for the entire world, and you know, everyone struggled and. I would just like to see City win the FA Cup. It would cheer me up significantly. So, yeah, it means a lot to me. Howard? Yeah, I mean, the FA Cup's always meant you know, a lot to me. And every time we lose, it's like dagger to the heart for me. You know, because I never mm. thought we'd ever get to a final, let alone win it you know, a couple of times. And that Wigan final, that Arsenal semi-final, still two of the worst days. And the home defeats during the years, the Wiggins, the many Wigan defeats. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm still angry about them now. So, yeah, it is diminished slightly because, of course, well, I don't have to explain why. It's just just everything doesn't feel quite as important as it did a few months ago in, with an empty stadium. That will continue to be the case in the same way that I watched you know, Kevin De Bruyne's free kick and thought, Wow, that's amazing. Whilst, you know, three months ago I've been jumping out of my seat, you know, because just everything seems downgraded a bit. So, but it's the FA Cup. Mm. It's it's a chance for more trophies. So, it's a chance yeah, for semi final of United game. or a final of United. I mean, that yeah. as a kid, that was my dream. I used to think about that almost constantly. Imagine City in an FA Cup final of United. 
it's, to be it's, honest, the number of times that Solskjaer has tactically bested Guardiola <laughs> makes me feel like that's yeah. not something that I'm... And I'm a guy who loves Darby's. You know, I'm a bit weird like that. I'm always like, yeah, bring yeah. the rags on, we'll slap them. Um, but this time round, I'm a bit like, nah, you're all right. I don't think I want to go anywhere near Ollie's, uh, yeah. Ollie's uh, United team. Not again this season and certainly not in the uh, FA Cup. But like you say, it may well happen. Um, question for you both then. And I asked you to prepare this, so I hope you did. Um, what's the lineup that you'd like to see? Bearing in mind what happened on Thursday, um, it's only been, what, two days? It's difficult in terms of recovery. Um, but at the same time, this is the more important game. So I would expect a very, very, very strong team from Pep. So, Howard, what back four are you picking? I'm not dealing with the goalkeeper because I'm not having a nonsense conversation about Scott Carson. Um, <laughs> but, Howard, what back four are you picking? Uh, Walker, Laporte, and now Scribbled about... <laughs> a lot of scribbling here. Otamendi, Mendy. I'm going to have to explain this, obviously. Fern is uh, suspended, isn't he? And Stone's is injured. Yeah. yeah, but... Garcia's uh, not picked yet. up for another injury, so yeah, the options. I don't know if Garcia's ready to play again. So he's not. He's not. So that could have been an option, which I would have been happy with. Uh, so don't have any choice. And the point with Mendy is, I want. Obviously, I think Zinchenko might come in. He you know, as to what will happen, but if you're not prepared to play him today in the game that matters, then yeah, we might as well put him on the transfer list now. Because you know, because of a mistake, he was hauled off in the second half. Could be fitness issues, and just you know, Laporte came off obviously to prepare him for today. But I feel he was. It felt like he was being reprimanded by you know being substituted yeah. against Chelsea, and he may be punished for it today. But me, I'd take the chance and see if he's got it in him to put in a great performance. Yeah, good. I should be punished. He should be left out and he should be punished and he should learn and he should, like, it's, it's not as if he hasn't had enough time to think about it anyway, but, you know, of all his time he's been injured, just think about his game and just think about the basics and what he wants to, the type of footballer he wants to be when he comes back. Um, it's inexcusable, that mistake he made. I'm sorry, but it is. It was just something like a seven-year-old would do. To have a teammate twice tell you, get over there, get over there, to just uh, stick your leg out and just kick the ball five yards, then chase the player and just stick your other leg out, the wrong leg, go with your wrong leg when you're last man, when you, you shouldn't even be sticking your leg out in the beginning with anyway, just, you know, just shield him away from danger. And um, all of that put together was inexcusable for me. And I'm really, really loath to jump on an individual, particularly an individual who's coming back from a long-term injury. And I really like him both as a player and as a man. But that was inexcusable. So he shouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be picked against Newcastle. He should be left out. And just just have a good think about his actions. Yeah, I don't That's know so harsh. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, the- but no, there are different types of mistakes. There's different types of mishaps. And when it's naivety and it's just kind of, you know, having a massive brain fart, um, no, they're, they're not excusable. You've, you've got to learn from them. You're talking about the highest possible level of football here. You can't be playing like a seven-year-old. Fair enough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Made his point. Made his point very clearly. Um, I'm not sure I think obviously the punish players, though, or what's, it's not learning anything by being dropped. I, I don't think change. he was hauled off. Yeah, I don't think he was hauled yeah. off. 
and I don't think he'll be punished. I think, like Laporte, he was taken off because he needed to play on Thursday and he needs to play again today. Um, mm. So I do think that the back four that Howard chose will be the back four. I think it'll be Walker, Otamendi, Laporte and Mendy. Steve, mm-hmm. next question. What midfield are you picking? Who are the three in midfield for you? Uh, Rodri, De Bruyne and David. Um, I, I think that is the strongest midfield that we can go with and um, it's the one that I would personally choose. Okay. And then, what are you doing in the front line? In the front line, I had gone a plan to go with Foden. It's, there's doubt, isn't there, because he's had a kick and you, you never know. When a manager says, oh, you know, so-and-so had a kick in the last game, you don't know what extent that is and it could be mind games. If Foden is available, I would go with Foden over Raheem um, and bring Raheem on as a sub. Um, and I would go with Mahrez on the other side with Jesus up front. Um, but if Foden's not available, then it's Raheem, Mahrez and Gabby for me. Okay. Howard? <laughs> you don't agree with that at all, do you? Well, what I'm going to suggest ain't happening. But, you know, uh, De Bruyne, Sylvia, Gundo and Mike go into DM. Cause, you know, mm, that's I my think vibe. I think Gundo will be the best position. I don't know. I just don't know what he's going to pick. I mean, I put Sterling on the right, but it's not going to do it. So, who's on the left? <laughs> would you play yeah. on the left then? Well, I say I'd, I'd put Bernardo. Okay. I mean, he played there when we beat Watford eight 0 So why not give it a go? Jesus <laughs> up front. It's not happening. So you know, uh, switch it around. Bernardo Sterling on the left. Jesus is more likely. Mares played all three games, has he not? I don't know what that tells us. To be honest, is he going to stay in again? Uh, super fit, no doubt. So. Who would I want more? Probably, but I mean, Bernardo's not been great, has he? So I think Mares, Sterling, Jesus is probably the most likely. If Phil, if Phil Foden's fit, then he goes on in on the left. Hey Sam, who's mm. your what's your midfield and front three? I mean, I'd play Gundo. I'd play Kev. Um, I don't know because I'd play Bernardo Silva. I, I think I'd probably play Bernardo Silva as the as the other eight. I wouldn't I wouldn't put Bernardo in the front three. I think he's been terrible when he's been in the front three this season. Really piss poor, um, and so absolutely not in the front three. But uh, as an eight, I'd play him. Or I, no, actually, I take that back. David Silva. I picked David Silva just because I think that since the lockdown, the games that he's played, he's looked. He's looked good. Mm. He's looked fit. He's looked dynamic. So okay, cool. If if he feels that his legs can handle it, then then I'd play him. Um, I think we have to make a decision about Leroy Sane, and what I mean by that is with the injuries that we've got and the situation that we're in. Normally, I'd be sat here going, the front three needs to be Raz, Leroy, and Gabby Jesus. Simple. Mares has been meh. Um, yeah, we just the front line needs a little bit of a shake up and a bit of a change and a bit of just a different dynamic and 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 Sane will will give you that and also this thing that everybody's crying out for a left footed winger on the left and a right footed mm-hmm. winger on the right and both of them staying really wide like seventeen eighteen um, that's what I'd like to see. I mean, obviously it's just never going to happen, um, <laughs> but it's yeah. I mean. We have got a player in the squad who we're not going to use because he doesn't want to be here. And in moments like this, that's deeply frustrating because it's like he's under contract and he's being played 
paid, so play him. You need him now. That that moment, as soon as Aguero went down, my first thought was, now we're going to see what we what Pep really thinks about Leroy Sane and whether he will play any football at all because we've got a problem in the front line. Players need to be rested. They need to be rotated. You're telling me that that we're going to play Mares and Raz for ninety again when they both played ninety on Thursday? They did both play ninety on Thursday, didn't they? Um, Raz did, yeah. yeah. I think so. Don't show it to me. Right. So this is what I mean that like even if they're super fit guys, we got the Champions League coming up next month and. If you don't trust Leroy Sane, then fine, don't play him in the Champions League. But play him in the FA Cup against Newcastle. Like give him give him an hour and see what he does. You know, and yeah. then if he could just go on, no, go on. Sir. Well, I just I feel as though I guess I just feel as though the front line needs a shake up, and we have a player who can give us a different dynamic. And even if you're going to flog him. You're paying him right now, and he's under contract. Use him. I was just going to say, whatever you think of Sane, and we'll sack him off if you don't want, you know, he shouldn't play because he don't want to stay at the club. I think it's a bit cruel that after a year out, he can't move yet. I don't know when transfers can happen. Does anyone know? Has it even been agreed October, yet? mate. But it's, after being out a year, I think it's a bit cruel not to give him some football. Yeah. Whatever you think of it. Do you think, think he's being do you think he's being punished? I don't know. Probably, but Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean it's the sort of thing Pet would do, you know, if someone don't want to be here, he's not gonna get in the team ahead of players that do want to be yeah. here. But I do think he should get some football because <coughs> having not played for a year, it will soon be a year, you know, not long until be here, be I don't know. About eleven months at the moment, having not played a full game of football. I think it's yeah a bit unfair not to give him some time on the pitch, irrelevant of whether he wants to go or not. Mm, particularly as especially as we need to rotate. So yeah, Morris, exactly. by the way, was you know, was great against Burnley, but yeah, you know, maybe he can just say that was Burnley, uh, who you know were pretty terrible and down to the bare bones. But yeah, I don't I don't think he'll start, but I would like to see him get on for half, you know, more than ten minutes or five minutes. So mm. Sane, that is, um, so. lads. Just to, to wrap this up, because, you know, we've got a game tonight. Um, do you feel good about beating Newcastle? Do you feel like, you know, do you... So, my, uh, I'm going to go first this time. My feeling is the one thing I've always trusted Pep for is that if we have a bad game or a bad result, the players are bang at it in the next game. And so, my gut feeling tells me that for all my moaning and groaning about, oh, I want to see Leroy, I want to see this, want to see that, whatever team he puts out there, I expect them to play like it's a very, very, very serious game. Um, and I'm happy about seeing quotes from Kev this morning yes. going, you yeah. know, this is the most important game that, you know, the, the the league games, they are what they are. We know that this game matters and it matters a lot more because of what's happened in the league and the fact that we're out of the title race. So I expect them, whatever the 11 is, yeah, I expect them to be bang at it both in terms of their quality, but also just their mentality. Because they were, they were just, second half against Chelsea, there was no defensive backline. The backline was all over the place. It was a, it was a horror show, and it, partially, I feel it was a horror show because mentally they were all over the place. Um, there just wasn't the, 
the professionalism and the the shape and the, just everything that you that you expect from a Guardiola team. The discipline, just none of that stuff was there, and I expect all of those things to be back. Do either of you disagree with that notion? No, but there will be a, a more heightened fear of losing tonight because by virtue of the fact it's a knockout in, in a cup competition, so that is less of a concern for me um, when it was against Chelsea. And yeah, as you said, it's very encouraging hearing kind of the quotes coming out from Kev. Uh, he said something similar earlier in the week as well, really talking up the Newcastle game and the importance of it. So yeah, um, I'm feeling okay. I, we've really been hurt there, haven't we, in recent years, Newcastle. I recall that, that league loss where everyone just thought that was it, the season's over. Um, so they can hurt us, but they're so reliant on the crowd. And they've got a crowd tonight, so... Well, um, you know, it, it was originally an 8... Well, I don't know if it was 8 o'clock, it was a Saturday night kickoff yeah. for TV. So it's a big advantage to City that it's now, you know, Sunday evening in an empty stadium. Yeah. Uh, they would rather it just be played out the normal way. Uh, let's not forget the two-all this season as well, which was yeah, appalling. But we didn't lose, you know. <laughs> as terrible as that was, we didn't lose. So if they're focused, they should win it, uh, Quite bizarrely, the draw is at half time as well. So is it? Which is strange. Yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> so that's so United, unnecessary. If they draw United, they throw the second half just for those. <laughs> but football right now, it's just basically they've thrown everything up in the air, and it's all let's see where everything lands. But this one, totally. they're going to draw at half time. It's so unnecessary. Just do it after the game as as per. Oh, uh, football. Anyway, gentlemen. I think we should. Yes. Uh, I think we should definitely wrap this up because my hangover dictates that I need to go and eat food now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fair enough. I will end by thanking both of you for joining me today, and thank you very much, Asad. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for allowing me to move to Sunday. Of course, to talk today, and thank you very much for joining us, Howard. Yeah, pleasure as always. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit no, of a delay there. A bit of a delay there. Isn't it? I thought he was just going to be like, piss off. I know, I was like, fine, sorry. Sorry for being nice. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you most of all for I'm listening now, because there's no delay at my end, so I might have to edit that. Well, yeah, you, you could edit out that pause and just make me sound like a right git. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you most of all for listening in today. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, have a really nice Sunday. And let's hope we uh, get to the semi-finals against United maybe not against United depends on how we feel there but yeah thanks for listening in and forever up the blues up the blues